Hello, and welcome to The Shining Light, where we are shining the light of the gospel and speaking the truth in love, providing strength, and stirring the hearts of our listeners. We are so glad to have you joining us today as you listen to this message from Pastor Tim Cruz. In September of 2005, Martha Cothran, a history teacher at Robinson High School in Little Rock, Arkansas, did something not to be forgotten. On the first day of school, with proper permissions, she removed all the desks in her classroom. When the first period kids entered the room, they discovered that there were no desks. Miss Cothran, where are the desks? They asked. She replied, you can't have a desk until you tell me how you earned the right to sit at the desk. They thought, well, maybe it's our grades. No, she said. Maybe it's our behavior. She told them, no, it's not your behavior. And so they came and went, first, second, third period, still no desk. Parents were called, even the news media came, and they thought, what is going on here? The final period of the day came, and as the puzzled students found seats on the floor of the deskless classroom, the teacher said, throughout the day, no one has been able to tell me just what he or she has done to earn the right to sit at the desk that are ordinarily found in this classroom. Now, I'm going to tell you. At this point, she went over to the door of the classroom and opened it. 27 U.S. veterans, all in uniform, walked into that classroom, each one carrying a school desk. The veterans began placing the desk in rows, and then they walked over to stand alongside the wall. By the time the last soldier had set the final desk in place, those kids started to understand. Perhaps for the first time in their lives, just how the right to sit at those desks had been earned. Miss Cothran said, you didn't earn the right to sit at those desks. These heroes did it for you. They placed the desk here for you today. They went halfway around the world giving up their education and interrupting their careers and families so you could have the freedom you have. Now it's up to you to sit in them. It's your responsibility to learn, to be good students, and to be good citizens. They paid the price so that you could have the freedom to get an education. Don't ever forget it. This teacher was awarded the Veterans of Foreign Affairs for Foreign Wars Teacher of the Year for the state of Arkansas in 2006. She is also the daughter of a World War II POW. Never forget. There are people that God puts in our lives who are more concerned about outcomes than income. They are more concerned about the future and how decisions made in the present will play out for not just themselves but others tomorrow. They consider how things will turn out. They consider how things will end. They consider the future. No wonder we should say to them, thank you. And God bless you. I wonder, how are you living your life? Are you thinking about your latter end, your future, 
your tomorrow, not just your own, but that of others, those over whom you have an influence and an impact upon their lives. I think about Deuteronomy 32, we'll turn there in just a moment, is known as the Song of Moses. It was co-written by Joshua, according to verse 44, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It depicts the faithfulness of God to His people as their creator and deliverer. He blesses their obedience and chastens their disobedience. It is poetic in nature and is filled with pictures, metaphors, and poetic expressions. Moses is being used of God to prepare his people to enter into the land of promise. With that in mind, let's take our Bibles and turn to Deuteronomy chapter 32. We're going to read two verses and let's stand together. Deuteronomy 32, verse 28 and 29. Let's read it aloud together. Deuteronomy 32, 28 and 29. For they are a nation void of counsel, neither is there any understanding in them. Oh, that they were wise, that they understood this, that they would consider their latter end. Thank you, you may be seated. Their latter end. How's this thing going to turn out? How's this thing going to end? What we're doing and deciding today, how's that going to impact tomorrow? God said, oh, that they were wise. The inference here is that they're not wise. They're not seeing things from God's perspective. They're not living in view of eternity, in view of tomorrow. They're living for the moment. They're walking by sight and not by faith. God says, I want you to consider your latter end. I want you to think about how something's going to turn out in your life. And that's what God wants us to do this morning. I hope you'll write this down. God wants us to consider our latter end, number one, by building our future on the right rock. The right rock. You say, what do you mean the right rock? Of course, it's the right foundation, but that's the theme that God uses here, a picture of who God is. And look at these as God gives them in verse 4. He is the rock. His work is perfect for all His ways are judgment, a God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is He. God is saying, this is the rock that you should worship. Not these little rocks, these little rock altars, these gods who are no gods, their rock is not our rock. Our rock is the rock. It's the rock of ages. It is the true and living God, Jehovah. Verse 4 speaks of His stability in life. A God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is He. He changes not. I think about the last part of verse number 15. It says that they lightly esteem the rock of His salvation. The rock of His salvation. He is our Savior, our Deliverer. Think about that. This rock of God speaks of stability. It speaks of Him being our Savior. And then we read in verse 18, Of the rock that begat thee, thou art unmindful, and hast forgotten God that formed thee. He is our strength. Build your life. Build your future. Consider your latter end by seeking the stability of God 
knowing that He is your Savior, your Deliverer, not just from sin, but even from the sorrows and the great circumstances of life. He is your Deliverer. Learn to look to Him. Learn to follow Him day by day. He will not lead you astray. He is our strength. The Bible says in verse 30, the latter part, except their rock had sold them and the Lord had shut them up. How were they able to chase a thousand and put 10,000 to flight? God had hedged them about. God had shut them up. God had protected them. He was their shield. Think about it. Their stability, their Savior, their strength, their shield. Verse 31, for their rock is not as our rock, even our enemies themselves being judges. I mean, their rock is no God. Why don't you look to the true rock of heaven today? The rock of not only time, but eternity. He will not fail you. Consider your latter end. Which way are you looking? To whom are you looking? People look for affirmation, for acceptance from all kinds of different people and situations of life. In pride, we make even serving God about ourselves. It's not about how God can use us. It's about how we can use God. May God deliver us from our pride. May God deliver us from our self-sufficiency, our self-righteousness that says, I'm okay. I just need to add God and get him in on what I want to do for him. Be careful. You know, if you read the Bible and have a right understanding, it's not about getting God in on what we want to do for him. It's like, here's what I want to do. It's like, here's our vision. Here's what we desire to do for God here at Shining Light. Oh, no, no, no. Not about our vision. It's about God's vision for this church. Lord, what do you want? Lord, how do you want us to see what you want to accomplish in our lives? The Bible says here in verse 20, And he said, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end shall be. Their end, there it is. For they are a very forward generation, children in whom there is no what? Faith. God has already seen this. He knows in time they will abandon him. They will go after their will instead of his. He'll have to chasten them. He'll have to deal with their unbelief. That's why he's trying to say your rock is the rock. Don't miss it. Build your future on who God is and what he says in his word. Hold your place here. Turn over to the book of Ecclesiastes. It's right after the book of Proverbs, Ecclesiastes chapter 7. It's a powerful truth here because God is saying there are things that are better. This theme unfolds in verse 1 and 2 and 3 and 5 and in verse 8. Better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. 
And the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. God says better is the end. Uh, We don't think about our ending sometimes. We just think, well, whatever will be, will be. And God says, no, the curse causeless shall not come. There is cause and effect in every decision we make. We need to think ahead. If I do this or decide this today, what will it look like tomorrow? And that's what God is saying. If you have faith, you look to God If you have faith, you look to your future. If you have faith, you live in view of eternity. What the outcome will be by your obedience or your disobedience. I remember Bobby Robertson when he was older. Someone asked him, he said, when are you going to retire? When are you going to step aside? He said, well, when God tells me. God hadn't told me to yet. And then he said this, my greatest fear is getting out of God's will for my life. There was a much older pastor. He said, that's my greatest fear. Let me ask you, do you seek the Lord with decisions in your life? Or you think, well, this is just the way I see it. This is what I think I should do. Or so-and-so said this, I agree with them. Or this is what they did, and so I'm going to follow them. Let me ask you, who are you following today? Are you going to follow the Lord? Are you going to pray? Are you going to seek God? Are you going to look to Him and say, Lord, direct my steps because I know that you know the end from the beginning and everything in between. So, Lord, help me to seek you through your word so that I will know what is right to do and by your grace do what's right. It really is as simple as that. But the enemy that we struggle with the most is not of this world, is the enemy of self. Not thy will, but my will be done. That's the enemy we struggle with the most. God wants to deliver us from looking to ourselves and looking to who we are and what we want and how we want others to perceive us. Let me ask you, are you going after an image more than you are a reality? By the way, that's what Hollywood is all about. It's an image. You can't keep that up forever. That's really the root of the word hypocrisy. It's play acting. It's acting like you're someone or something you're not or you're all about Uh, Just appearances and presentation and impressions and what people think about you. The greatest kindness God will do is to bring you to the end of that, to the end of yourself, to where you say, Lord, show me who I really am so that I'll look away from myself unto you and I'll be able to trust you with my life and my future. Help me not to make it about me, Lord. Help me to make it about you and your honor and your glory. Lord, whatever you want, whatever your will is, that's what I desire. The Bible talks about you've seen the end of the Lord in the life of Job. James chapter 5 talks about that, the end of the Lord. God blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning. He held to the rock of the true God and to his promise, and God delivered him, blessed him twice as much as he had before. God 
turned his captivity. Are you willing to wait on God? Are you willing to endure trials and troubles in your life? Are you willing to look to the rock that is higher than you and say, Lord, help me, lead me, thy will be done? The Bible says that man who honors God, who walks in faith and obedience according to Psalm 37, mark that man, note him, take note. The end of that man is peace. Decisions you're making today, will it bring greater peace to you and to yours and others whose lives you touch? Or will it bring turmoil and confusion and tension and angst and disappointment? Think about it. See, sometimes we don't think about others when we're deciding. Here's what I think. Here's what I want to do. Here's what I'm going to do. We don't pause and consider, but how's this going to affect others? I remember as a teenager, it truly had to be the grace of God. Here I was thinking about my life and my future. And I was thinking as God was drawing me unto himself, the decisions that I was making right then at that moment in high school was not only going to affect my future, but that of my children. I was thinking about my children. How's this going to affect my children here? Now, when we're teenagers, sometimes the last thing we're thinking is about tomorrow, right? <laughs> we're just thinking about today. Where I am, what I want, what's right in front of me. But God began to deal with me and open my eyes, and I thought, but wait a minute. Decisions I'm making right here, right now, how are they going to affect not only my future, but my loved ones? God said, oh, that my people were wise. Oh, that they would consider their latter end. The fault there is to take it to heart, to ponder it, to see it from God's perspective for what it really is. Oh, that they would be open to that. That they would say, God, show me. God, teach me. David died being old and full of days. Boy, he had some disappointments, some failures, but he got back up by the grace of God and looked to God and sought God and God helped him to finish the race he'd given him to run. Look over in chapter 33. The latter part of verse 25 says, And as thy days, so shall thy strength be. Now get this, Moses is trying to prepare them. He doesn't get to go into the land. But he's preparing the people to go into the land. And he says, As thy days, so shall thy strength be. However long your appointed days are, God has sufficient strength for you. So don't come to a place to where you give in and give up and say, But I, I'm weary, I'm tired, I just can't go on. Yes, you can. They said that the Navy SEAL training has proven that you can go at least 40% beyond what you think in your mind is your maximum output or breaking point. Think about that. You can continue on. God's grace is sufficient. God is for you and working on your behalf don't leave God out of the equation. We read in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. See, you're going to have to 
look at your future through eyes of faith, through the eyes of God, through the eyes of Scripture. That's what God wants you to see. Consider your latter end by building your future on the right rock. Number two, by remembering how God has led you thus far. Deuteronomy chapter 32 in verse 7, the Bible says, Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask thy father, and he will show thee thy elders, and they will tell thee when the Most High divided the nations their inheritance when he separated the sons of Adam, when he set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. He found him in a desert land. And a waste howling wilderness, he led him about. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. As an eagle stirreth up her nest, fluttereth over her young spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, beareth them on her wings. So the Lord alone did lead him, and there was no strange God with him. He made him ride on the high places of the earth that he might eat the increase of the fields. He made him to suck honey out of the rock and oil out of the flinty rock. Butter of kine, think of this, and milk of sheep, the fat of lambs, rams of the breed of Bashan, and goats with the fat of kidneys of wheat. And thou didst drink the pure blood of the grape. God is saying, I have been your God all these years. I've been the God of your fathers. I've been good to you. If you want to think about your future, it's wise to consider your past. Not just that of your life, but that of your life with God. Hasn't God been good to you? Hasn't God been faithful to you? Hasn't God come through for you? Well, I think about verse 18. Of the rock that begot thee, thou art what? Unmindful and hast forgotten God that formed thee. Don't forget God. He's not forgotten you. He's not forsaken you. He's never failed you. Remember that he has kept you and led you thus far and he's the one who has blessed you and he's the one whose hand from whence everything, every blessing comes in your life. If God has been faithful, God will be faithful. He changes not. This is who he is. Take heart, friend. Oh, remember God has led you. I think about how God, Deuteronomy chapter 2 says that God led his people after they turned, took their turn into the wilderness and they wandered, but God took care of them. Deuteronomy chapter 8 says that, that though he proved them, yes, he made sure their shoes didn't wear out. He took care of them and their every need. Hasn't God taken care of you even in times when you didn't know where you were or where you were going? Has God taken care of you? You look back sometimes in the middle of some trials, I thought, Lord, I don't know where you are and what you're doing, but I'm just going to trust you and keep going. And I look back now and I see how God kept me, how God protected, how God provided, how God brought me to this place. Aren't you glad you're here today? 
of all the places we could be. We could be discouraged, defeated, distraught. We could just be someone who is totally set aside in our hearts thinking God can't use me. It's not worth it. I don't care. I quit. But God has put in our heart that I need you, Lord. I need you. That's why I go to church. I want to thank you for who you are and what you have done in my life. I, I want to pray to you and I want to trust you for what you will do yet in my life, Lord. I remember those days of old. I remember the blessings. I remember how you've kept me and preserved me, Lord. I, I want to be mindful of that because as I look ahead and the uncertainty of tomorrow, I remember your faithfulness in those uncertain times of my past. And you always somehow made a way and saw me through. How many of you know that in your life? God somehow made a way and saw you through. Did he not? Oh, we should be a rejoicing people. This is our God, the true rock of ages, who fails not. God wants us to consider, to take to heart our latter end by building our future on the right rock by remembering how God has led us. And then lastly, by realizing God's Word is our life. God's Word is our life. You say, what do you mean? If you'll study this. Now this was a song that God gave Moses to give to the people and they were to sing it. We don't know when they would sing this, but they were to be reminded of who God is and what He had done for them and that He was faithful and that He was their deliverer and that He would bless their obedience and He would chasten their disobedience. That's who God is. Whom the Father loves, He what? He chastens. God loves us too much to allow us to continue in sin. If we won't deal with it, He does because of His love for us. And so God is saying to us, in verse 45, now get this. This is powerful. And Moses made an end of speaking all these words to all Israel. Underline that, all these words, verse 45. All these words, this is the words of God. God gave Moses these words. And he wrote them down under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Verse 46, and he said unto them, Set your hearts, your hearts unto all the words, there it is again, all the words which I testify among you this day, which ye shall command your children to observe to do all the words of this law. Underline that, all the words of this law. For it is not a vain thing for you because it is your life. Do you see that? It is your life. And through this thing ye shall prolong your days in the land whether you go over Jordan to possess it. Think about it. The Word of God is your life. I think about Proverbs chapter 4, verse 13. Take fast hold of instruction. Let her not go keep her, for she is thy life. The adulteress, according to Proverbs chapter 7, comes after the one who is not operating with the wisdom of God. And the Bible says he doesn't see it. He doesn't realize it. It's for his life. What are you going to not only give your life to, but what position are you going to put yourself in to where something or someone can take your life from you? you? You keep your life, 
You say, well, I'm, I'm just going to do what I want. You keep your life, Jesus said what? You will lose it. But if you lose your life, that means give it away, give it to God, then you'll keep it. Isn't that amazing? No, this is my life. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going I'm to live my life, and I'm not going to give it to God. But you end up giving it to people or situations that put you in danger and potentially take that life from you. Isn't that amazing how our pride blinds us? Our self-will makes us a contradiction to ourselves. The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 4, God had given His Word and there were those that did cleave to the Lord by holding to His Word there in the matter of Baal, Peor, where there were those who were given to fornication immorality and many of them died because of their sin but those who had a heart for God they held to God they held to the promise of God they held to his word and as a result they were alive unto this day Moses said now I don't know what's going on in your life I don't know where you're at but I'll tell you this the word of God the Bible says is your life if you've wandered away get back to the word of God you say, how can I get back to God by coming back to His Word? What is revival? A fresh return to truth. It's an about face. I'm going away from God doing my thing. I'm going to turn around and go back to God. How do I go back to God? I'll go back to God through His Word. His Word is your life. One preacher said it this way, if you don't separate yourself from your distractions, your distractions will separate you from your goals, from what God has for you. We're given to everything that is temporal at the expense of that which is eternal. God wants us to wake up and say, hey, that's not worth my time and my attention. I need to give my heart and my mind to God through His Word to meditate, to study, to go deeper in the mind and the heart of God day by day because this book is my life. It's a living book. It is a life-giving book. It is quick it's alive and it gives you heart and faith and courage and strength, all that you need to know God and do His will. This is thus saith the Lord. His Word is your life. When you're tried and tempted, look to the rock that is higher than you in your circumstances. God wants you to make decisions not just for the moment, but for your latter end. Your ladder in. How's this thing going to turn out? People on whims make decisions. Life determining, life affecting decisions. I don't like this. Don't want this. I don't feel good about this. If you follow your feelings, you're going to be all over the map. And the one who's going to suffer most in the end is yourself and those whom you make decisions on the behalf of. Don't make it just about you. Make it about God and what's right and what is His will. Lord, show me your will. Help me to know and do all of your will. I think about Matthew Henry. How many of you have ever read a Matthew Henry commentary? Now, if you read it, you know it's very detailed. Truly Old English, somewhat laborious, verbose. I mean, it just... It's lengthy, but it's good. 
He wrote it over 300 years ago, and people still use it around the world to this day. He died at age 52. Sometimes you are surprised to learn about people's life and their circumstances. And like this, the length of life. Spurgeon died when he was 57. Matthew Henry when he was 52. Some of us think we've got forever. We better get after what God's got after us for. We better do what God has given us to do. Consider your latter end. What are you going to give yourself to? I think about how he was known as a distinguished preacher of the gospel and the word of God, Matthew Henry. He began preaching at age 24. He held pastorates until his death at age 52. The greatness of his sermons consisted of their scriptural content, his lucid presentation, his practical application, and his Christ-centeredness, one writer said. His commentary on the whole Bible still used to this day all these years later. But here's what he said on his deathbed to a friend. You have been used to take notice of the sayings of dying men. This is mine. That a life spent in the service of God and communion with Him is the most pleasant life that anyone can live in this world. What will you say about God and your life when you get on the latter end of this life that God's given you? What will you say? If we're not careful, some of us will want to talk about how hard life has been. Talk about, oh, I face so many things. I can't believe some of the things I face. I would have never thought. And God has a heart for us, even in our pain. I'm glad for that. But I'll tell you, friend, if you're going to live your life focused on the sorrows of life, that's the way you're going to end your life, still focused on those same sorrows. That's why today you ought to focus on the Lord and say, I'm going to look to this rock of God, and I'm going to rejoice in the fact that He is my stability. He's my Savior. He's my strength. He's my security. He's been good to me. And when I leave this world, it's like Dr. Sexton's mother having gone through so many heartaches in life. When he said, Mom, God has been good to us. She said, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. I wonder what you're going to say when you leave this world. What you're going to say then is going to be a summary of how you view now. How you view the distance between here and the time that God takes you home whether you gave it to God and you trusted Him with it and you could see the good and the blessing and rejoice in the Lord or all you could see was the sorrow because your self-will and your pride blinded you from His goodness. The Bible says God's Word is your life. Hold to God by holding to His promise. God wants us to know today that better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. Oh, that my people were wise enough to look ahead by faith, to consider, to take to heart. Now, where am I going to end up? Where's my family going to end up if I decide this? Have I prayed through this? Have I sought God through His Word? Have I sought godly counsel and input in my life enough to make a truly wise God-directed decision. If so, I'll leave it with God.
But friend, I want to tell you, there ought to be enough fear of God in our lives to know that I'm not going to make a move without seeking God clearly. Because if we get off a little here, God only knows how far we'll be off there. However long that is. However far away that is. I'm glad to know if we're not where God wants us to be in our heart today, God allows corrections. It'd be a good day to get right with God or to get close to God. Wouldn't you agree? It'd be a good day to say, Lord, I want to take to heart my latter end. Decisions I'm making right now, Lord. I want to know and do your will. Came to Shining Light all these years ago. Two little boys. We never talked about how many children we're going to have until we had the fifth one. And we didn't even settle on a number then. We said, well, we're just going to trust the Lord. We ended up with ten. One thing my children have said now as adults is this, thank you, Dad, that you didn't move us around all the time. You went and you stayed. That's our home. That's where we grew up. That's our family. Not just our physical family, that's our church family. That's our school. That's our city. We love Monroe. Some of them tell me when they come back to visit, they say, when I get close to Charlotte, I'm thinking, I'm almost home. And I love home. Some people don't like this, so they don't like that. And by the way, nothing, nothing's going to settle you or satisfy you if you don't let God settle you and satisfy you. Isn't that right? Because if you're driven by emotion and passion and feeling, you know what? The adversary will exploit that in your life and drive you, run you into the ground at some point if you're not careful. You must be led of God. You must be led of the Holy Spirit. Because what frustrates you here will frustrate you there, wherever there is. And then it will follow you all your days. They said, thank you for staying. Thank you for being stable when we were young. You know what? Had God led me differently? Obviously, they know I would have followed the Lord. But God led me to come. And God led me to stay. And that's one of the great gifts my children have said. Thank you for just staying. I want to tell you, life is fleeting. It goes by fast. Now, if God directs, if God moves, that, we understand that. Yes, we're going to follow the Lord, right? I understand that. But I'm, talk, I'm not talking about that. God directs us. Sometimes he moves us this direction. Sometimes he moves us. I understand that. We all do. And I respect that. But I'm just talking about arbitrary. I'm upset about something. I don't like something. Uh, I don't agree with something. You know what, friend? If you never learn how to respectfully, with a spirit of humility and godliness, work through challenges, problems, issues, disagreements, that will follow you all of your days. 
and your children will grow up with the same thing. They think, well, you don't ever work through something. You don't ever sit down and pray together and talk about it. You just get mad and you just, you know, throw hand grenades on your way out the door because you want to hurt somebody because they offended you or you were disappointed about something or you didn't like something. Are you listening to me? It's one thing for us to have God lead us. We all understand that, right? It's another thing for us to say, hey, sometimes it's like Paul and Barnabas. They agree to disagree and they went their separate ways. Isn't that right? But the day came when God worked in that situation. But they had their own ministry and their own work before God. I'm looking forward to the service tonight because I'm preaching on how there were those who helped David because they saw that God was helping him. If you don't have a heart to help others do what God's given them to do, don't think there will be those that will have a heart to help you do what you say God's given you to do. No man is an island in and of himself. We can't act independently of God and others and just arbitrarily do our own thing. It comes with too great a cost. God says, oh, that you would consider your latter end. Don't be unstable. Don't be someone who just misses who God is and what he's done in your life. Let's stand with our heads bowed before the Lord. Don't miss it. Look to the rock. You say, I'm looking to the rock. Wonderful. This is what the rock is telling me. Wonderful. Follow the rock. Follow the Lord. But if we're going to follow the Lord, we're going to honor the Lord. We're going to honor others. You've heard this before. The Christian army is the only army that shoots its own wounded. You've heard that, haven't you? Listen, friend. There's so much pride and self-righteousness and self-will among us as the people of God. No wonder that statement is common. We have such a heart for ourselves at everyone else's expense. Not only are we not willing to help them, but we're very willing to try to hurt them. And I want to tell you, that's wicked. There are people here who are hurting today because they need God's help. And friend, if you love God, you'll have a heart to help those who are hurting. Who among us today would say, Pastor, I'm just going to be honest with you. I have a hurting heart today. Would you pray for me? I'm looking to the rock that is higher than I am trying to. But pray for me. I have a hurting heart about something in my life. How many of you say that by a lifted hand? Pray for me. God bless you. God bless you. God wants to hear your prayer of faith. Lord, help me. I'm looking to you. I'm looking to you, Lord. How many of you know a situation or someone that is struggling or hurting and they need help, they need encouragement? How many of you know of someone like that? Right now, someone comes to your mind. Are you willing to help them? Are you willing to help them? How many of you are saying, I need God's wisdom. I need his guidance. 
I need his direction because I, I don't want to make a decision that potentially is going to take me away from what God has for my life. I mean, that is my heart. I don't want to do that. Pray for me. There's a decision before me that I must make. How many of you say that by uplifted hand? Just be honest with the Lord. Several of us. This altar is open as we play softly. Thank you for listening to The Shining Light. We pray that this time has been a time of encouragement and blessing to you. The Shining Light is a production of Shining Light Baptist Church, located at 2541 Old Charlotte Highway in Monroe, North Carolina. If you don't have a church home, we invite you to join us. Service times and more information can be found at our website, www.shininglightmonroe.com. You can also watch our services on Facebook and YouTube and connect with us on social media. Thank you for joining us, and God bless.